The baseball season's officially over, but the offseason is just getting started. We're going to break down anything and everything indie ball on this episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Alright, we're back again, episode number 139 of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will, there isn't much in the way of news this week, I'm gonna be real. You didn't have to say that up front though, Nick. I know, I probably could have hit the lead on it, but you know, I, I think they already kind of know if there is or isn't a lot of news by just looking at the length of this episode, you know? Yeah, yeah, solid point, solid point. Unless we want to do uh, what I call like a pizzeria meatball move where you just stuff the whole thing with more bread than actual meat in there to make people think they're getting something they're not. We Listen, I am, a, I am a big bread guy. I love bread. Like I go to like, our best part of Olive Garden is the breadsticks. Yeah. So I like, I, I would not mind more bread. I love bread. Fair enough. But I'm just saying, if you're making a meatball, you know. Don't be shy on the meat. The meat's kind of the point of it. It's not a bread ball. It's a meatball. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. But, like, I don't, I don't mind when they when they stuff it with bread. Like, I'll go to Chipotle and I'll get a, uh, like, a side tortilla just so I can eat more bread. Maybe I'm weird. I don't know. Eh, fair enough, I suppose. But, really, I got to question your decisions going to an olive garden. I mean, you're in New York, New Jersey. There's a lot of yeah. actual real Italian places that are going to cost roughly the same. The increase in quality is substantial. I mean, I've only, I've only been there. I've only been there a couple times, I think. But the breadsticks are really good. All so, right. that's all I'm looking for. All right. I'm just, I'm just saying, it's somewhat of Italian descent. That just does not sound like my kind of, uh, my kind of joint, if you would. Is it is it not authentic Italian food? Um, I'm just going to say it out right now. No, I was going to try and come up with an anecdote. No. No, there really isn't. It is not. I would not. No. no. See, so, so if you want to, because obviously this is the Italian food podcast, not, not the course. podcast. That's why we've had but, Jesse on twice. <laughs> but um, I got to say, I love chicken frances. Okay. I think that's how you say it, yeah, right? Yeah, chicken frances, yeah. Okay. So, I, that's my favorite Italian dish. Mm. However, for about, I think, three years, like in my early like high school years. Okay. I would, I, I was, I would go to Italian restaurants and order chicken frances. <laughs> and no, none of these waitresses, waiters, would bat an eye. So I thought I was right until I went out with one of my friends who was Italian. Yeah. And I said that and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> well, how did you just say that? I'm like, what? Chicken, chicken francais. And they're like dying and wheezing yeah. laughing. And they're like, and I, and then they told me it was, yeah. it's pronounced chicken francais. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> You know, like I could see how you'd make that mistake. I definitely could see it, but I'm I'm kind of surprised. Like no one ever was like, "Wait, what?" And like took a double take at it until then. Yeah, until no, then, yeah. all the, the all the waiters, waitresses would be like, "Yep, yep, gotcha." Chicken say, "Well, we're coming right up." Yeah. That that's actually really funny. That is really yeah. funny, actually. Yeah, uh, which if you're a fan of sausage too, 
A chicken jumbata is great. That's that's like a top fiver for me. Like that's never that? not good. That or a scarpinello. Chicken scarpinello is also really good. Being that we're talking but what about, about calamari, excellent. Big with calamari, I'm not see because I'm not a big seafood guy to begin with. Okay, like I, I so for me, it's not the best. Like if it's there, I'll have a piece or two of it. Like I'm just not ever gonna really order it because I'm like I said, I'm just not a big uh, seafood guy. So squid's not really the top of my food chain. But mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. See, I like off the bat here. I this is why I led with. There's not much news because already we're five minutes in. We're talking about food. They know that they're not getting news today. That's right, listeners. I'm referring to you as they in the second person. <laughs> the most rarely used of all the persons. That's right. Uh, but I guess we should probably get to uh, actually talking about independent league baseball at this point. That is kind of the point of the show, after all. But, yeah, so really the only major bit of independent league baseball news from the past week um, is the Pioneer League. They announced their schedule yesterday, meaning Thursday. Um, important things we got out of this, it's going to be a 96-game slate running from the 23rd of May through September the 10th. It is, an, again, a half setup. So there's going to be a first half and a second half, like you see in the Atlantic League, like you see in a handful of other independent and college leagues and things like that. Uh, the midway marker is going to be July 17th. So on the 17th, the first half will end. On the 18th, the second half will begin. Uh, in addition to this, they have bumped their, sl- their roster of teams from 8 to 10. Joining the fray this year is Northern Colorado, formerly in Orem. Uh, now they will be in Windsor, Colorado, but go by Northern Colorado. The Owls, this is what they are. Brand new facility being built there for them. They will be, ironically, in the South Division. And in the North Division, Flathead, Montana which is going to have a brand new stadium constructed in Kalispell. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to have that stadium done for opening day. They are in the middle of constructing it now, but I mean, it is the beginning of November in uh, Montana. So I can't imagine the weather is going to be too conducive to building, especially once we get into the snowier weather. Uh, So that could be a hold up there. I imagine uh, I have not looked into too much depth on their schedule. I just kind of posted it because as everybody knows here, we kind of focus on the big three independent leagues and then the Pioneer League is kind of a more ancillary league for us. Uh, I didn't do too much looking into that, although I'm sure we could pull up that schedule and see if they're on the road to start the year. I imagine that would have just been an intelligent way to build the schedule just in case there's construction delays. Uh, and with that being said, that's really the key takeaways uh, from the Pioneer League schedule. Yeah, I think that, of course, adding adding the two teams is good to see. Uh, I think there's no doubt the Pioneer League, for their first year as, a, as an indie ball league, had a lot of success. Uh, they, they, they did really well, uh, and kind of surprised a lot of people, including my, including myself, uh, that of the amount of success that some of their teams had. Uh, so I'm excited to see, you know, what's in store for year two. They're adding two, two new teams. Um, you're right about like construction in Montana, like as we're starting to hit November, December. Probably yeah. not the most ideal time. I'm no Montana expert by any stretch, but, um, it does, I'm sure it is quite cold up there. And by the yeah. way, 
it is it is not fun. And maybe I don't I don't know how you are, Nick. Yeah. But when I walk outside now and it's like thirty, it's like thirty five degrees in the morning. It's not as fun. You know, at first I really liked it because I was like, "Ooh, cool! It's starting to turn to fall again." And then I was like, "Oh wow, I'm starting to not like it as much anymore." So. Yes and no. I prefer this to it being really hot. Um, but yeah, it's not exactly the, the highlight of my day either when I'm kind of walking around and it's really cold out. Cold at night bothers me more than cold during the day. I will say that much. True. Yeah. I mean, with no sun, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Which, but, I mean, about the Pioneer League though, uh, get, you know, good. It's interesting that they put out a schedule so soon. Mm. Um, well, I mean, so not complaining. Yeah, I mean, like I, I will see this much. It does seem like a lot of the schedules drop in November. I know that the American Association said that theirs was coming soon. I want to say within the next two or three weeks, so we'll have that to kind of discuss and break down and everything with that. And then the y'alls have been teasing their schedules coming out soon. And obviously, if one team's dropping it, then all the teams are dropping it. So it does kind of seem like this is schedule release month for a lot of the leagues. The Atlantic mm-hmm. League has always kind of traditionally been the last one to release it. And that's always been like really December, January time. I think February one year, but I, that also never made sense for me. I would assume you'd want a schedule out before like Christmas time. So that way right. it makes it a little bit easier to sell tickets. Obviously not everyone cares about team matchups and whatnot. And, that doesn't really even help you until there's a roster assembled for so much matching that. But I'm sure there's some people that go, oh, well, I haven't seen this team play before or that team play before, and they want to get the tickets. But I, I guess, like, the more I talk through it, it is not as necessary. It's surely helpful, but not really necessary, because a lot of the things you're selling are just, like, group books or group tickets and things like that. So it doesn't really matter as much, I guess. But still, I think you could do a lot more in the way of selling packages and stuff and maybe that'd be more helpful sure and um i think we're we're getting i because i do remember like just during all of when covid was was a big thing uh and it still is a big thing but of course like sports have kind of moved on in a lot of in a lot of senses yeah uh back to normal say and the funny thing is is like we're, we're used to like so much uncertainty and the schedule dropping in February and it's yeah. uh, so it's good to see it kind of getting back to normalcy in this way uh, because you do want those the schedules out for the holiday season you do want those mini plans out for the holiday season so um, so you can give yeah. somebody like a, a 10 game plan or whatever whatever mini plans and um I, I think more teams should do mini plans personally. Yeah. It's always something, it's always something that I've been a big, big fan of and I really like when minor league teams and independent league teams do just cause like I don't have time to go ha- anywhere for half a season or a yeah. full season. But I, if there's like a, like a five, like eight game plan, maybe even a 10 game plan if it's close, I, I it works for me. Yeah. Like, absolutely. It's something I would do. That and also I think getting more creative with them too, like maybe a promotional package where you have tickets for the promotional days, that or maybe like a weekends only package or a weekday night package, just different kind of things I think kind of make it more curated. Plus, I just feel like 
supply really isn't the issue, so you can afford to kind of get out there with a lot of different crossing uh, packages that will, you know, take different uh, different nights from other ones and just kind of mix and match that kind of general thing. I know a lot of teams do the mix and match themselves, so that may not be the best wording of it, but as long as your system can, you know, keep up with having 10 different packages... I don't see any problem with having that. I mean, offer the variety to people. It's certainly going to be a plus to them. I think a lot of people, too, if it's a little bit further away, but it's like a six-game package, but you get, like, your supposed rifles in there. Like, let's say if you're Sussex County and you put together a package, and it's like, we'll give you tickets to all the games against Tri-City and New Jersey and maybe, like, a handful of games against Rockland. Like, that's a decent package right there because you have your two local teams that you are supposed to kind of have a rivalry with and then tri-city which i mean that's going to be such a fun series this year it really is going to be really fun but uh just circling back quickly when i said the flathead valley team uh it appears at least from my looking over the league schedule their first home game and home series is supposed to start on june 14th against the billings mustangs so they get to play an in-state rival there um I don't know if they're going to be able to keep that schedule or not. I assume they will. That gives them about seven or so months from right now to get a stadium constructed. And seeing as they're already kind of in the middle of building it, they're making a good pace even if you do lose two or three months to weather. But even then, I imagine you should be pretty good to put up the bones of it. It's really, I think, more like pouring concrete and whatnot maybe a little bit more difficult and putting in a field and things like that. But you have warmer months like March and April to be able to get that done, and May, too, for that matter. So I think they'll be able to be on schedule for that. They're looking pretty good. So Yeah, yeah, you would, th- you would think so. Yeah. Uh, especially if, I mean, given the date, uh, I mean, that's like the first like two weeks or so on the road. Yeah, about three weeks. Yeah, so that's a tough road trip to begin the year, I guess. It's funny, like in, in the NHL, the New York Islanders uh, kind of on a similar trip now. Yeah. Uh, the 13-game road trip to open up the year, uh, so their new arena can get can get ready to go. So it's a, it's an interesting challenge for for that team. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll definitely be interesting to watch once the season comes around. Yeah, and Seattle had to do that same road trip this year, and when they redid the Garden, the Rangers had like a again like a 12-game trip. Uh, to start the year, but yeah, now that's going to yep. be interesting to see, and it's always uh, good to check in on the Pioneer League, and who knows, you mentioned that there's success, and that's actually something I wanted to come back to really quick, and I suppose we, being that we don't have too much else on the dock, we can spend a little bit of time on this, when you mentioned like, oh, they had success that we weren't really expecting this year, that attendance success was something that I really was surprised about, and I wonder if they're able to kind of get the pitching back you know like obviously the pioneer league's always been high scoring but this year was kind of like way out there they were putting up football scores almost treading into basketball scores at some points and so if they can get that back down to regular like a regular score like you know high scoring 10 8 that kind of a thing you know i think that they're going to be a lot more interesting to watch in a league that we may actually have to start paying a lot of attention to and, and keeping up to date with yeah definitely i i think that um Again, it's going to be tough because, like, a lot of leagues have had trouble getting quality pitching, and especially in the atmospheres that you play at in the Pioneer League, it's not a good place for pitchers. Mm. Like historically, it historically never has been, even when it was um, an affiliated market. 
and there was like pitchers didn't really have a choice like they had to go there yeah uh, so that that's the uh it's not easy for for pitchers to pitch there uh but i agree i think if you, if you can get the pitching a little bit better I and mean, i think i think the league is legit because the fans certainly care oh absolutely uh, but the fan, the fans certainly care, and that's really great to see for an amiibo league in year one, and um, especially for a league that was fully affiliated, going to independent, and the fans continue to embrace it. I mean, that's great to see. I mean, it's re- it's really great to see, and uh, definitely spells well for the future of the Pioneer League. It certainly does. It certainly does. So with that, we'll go to the next thing on the dock here, and these next two are kind of quicker to get through. So. Uh, bear with us on it, but we have the revival of an older league, but not exactly. See, you have the Midwest Collegiate League. That league's going to rebrand. Obviously, this is a summer college league that makes no bones about that. It's going to rebrand itself as the Northern League. Now, people may remember the Northern League because that's kind of like the granddaddy of all, uh, independent leagues, the OG League. Uh, that Miles Wolf started back in 1993, kind of ran concurrently with uh, the Frontier League. And then, obviously, it ceased operations in 2010 after a, a quite a long run, about a 20-year long run, just shy of it. Uh, it kind of had a schism. You had some teams go to, the, I believe it was the North American League, and then the other ones formed the American Association. So, kind of the AAPB is like the spiritual successor, if you would, to the Northern League. That name's being revived, like I said, uh, for the Midwest College League. There's more history behind it, too. It was a professional league for some time uh, from 1933 to 1971, and it was kind of a Class A league. So whenever you heard Northern League in the past, it was a professional league. Now it's a college league. And it's just kind of a little interesting note here that the brand's coming back and everything like that. And I'm just kind of in this place of I'm not sure my full thought on it. More or less, just because it's always had this tradition of being a professional league, being a quality league, and now you have this kind of college league, which, I mean, we all know college leagues are really touch-and-go on talent. You have some better ones, like the Coastal Plain League, the Cape Cod League, uh, the Northwoods League, these ones that have, you know, high-quality talent, they're well thought of. And then you have other ones which are just not really packed with talent, you know, the Futures College League being one. Uh, whatever the hell the MLB Draft League is, these are not ones that are jam-packed here. So I don't know enough about the Midwest Collegiate League. I'm not going to pretend to either uh, to say whether or not it's like this high level of talent or not. I will say it is a bit interesting, though, to see it come back as a college league. Yeah, it certainly is kind of weird just because you know the name Northern League uh, as, as, it, as a professional league, right? Yeah. And... I don't know. It's just interesting because I don't really know what their point is of doing it, right? Yeah. So it's still a summer college league, but at the same time, the commissioner is saying that they're trying to broaden their identity. Well, what are you trying to broaden your identity to? You're a college league. Like, you can't mix college players who uh, have college eligibility and players who don't have college eligibility, because one you can pay and one you can't. Yeah. So it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, I mean, I mean, part of it says additionally we will expand our talent pool by attracting players who have 
a wider level of playing experience in the games. But, again, you can't pair college players and, uh, I mean, unless they're, like, right out of college, and it's like the MLB Draft League, which I guess you could do. Uh, like guys who are done with like their senior year or whatever, yeah. and they're trying to they're trying to get on a professional roster. I guess you could do that, uh, but it's not. It's just it's just odd. I don't I don't really know what their uh, an, I mean, an unaffiliated pre-professional league. It's just a lot of words and a lot, not a lot of answers. Yeah. Like- so what this league actually is? I mean, Midwest Collegiate League. You know what it is. North, I don't really know what they're trying to do uh, in the Northern League. Yeah, like what I would like to know, because they say best collegiate, post-collegiate, and limited service players. I want to know what limited service player means. Because obviously, collegiate, obviously, they're in college still. Post-collegiate, it means they're just right out of college, but they're undrafted and they didn't go to a pro league. Okay, fine. But what does limited service player mean? Like, does that mean that they played at, like, say the rookie ball level for a little bit does that mean that they they went to a a spring training camp once does that mean that they were playing overseas and they just never really caught on with a major league org like what exactly does limited service player mean because i gotta be honest if it's like going for 24 25 year old guys uh, that you know maybe they were drafted maybe they weren't drafted Maybe they played one year of rookie ball and then were cut. I can't imagine that they're going to be willing to say, let me go play for this summer free of charge and, um, you know, not, not get paid at all. Like, I don't think that's going to be their game. Plus, there's plenty of independent leagues across the country that they could go play in from actual money, even though it's not going to be too much. It's still going to be actual money as opposed to playing for free because I can't imagine, like you said, well, they're going to mix paid players and unpaid players. You're really asking for a major headache with that. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm not sure. Like, it, it's just very broad, and it's not. There's not a lot of clarity about what the league actually is, and I think that uh, that that's something that I mean, you only get when you find out like who they're bringing in. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and. I just don't know what their market is and what they're trying to attract uh, because you, you can't really, I mean, pre-professional, I don't, if it's pre-professional, to answer your question, I don't think it would be like guys who played like rookie ball and were cut because they're already professional. Yeah. It's not like you can like play rookie ball, get cut, even if you came out of high school. Yeah. We're signed internationally and then go play in the Cape Cod League because you're all the same age. Like, that's not how that works. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that limited service sure. term is what's confusing to me because if you're talking about service in the context of baseball, you think, okay, major minor league time is what you'd think. Exactly. So, yeah, that's all sorts of confusing. I will say their logo looks pretty nice, though. I like their logo. But. Yes. That, that said, it is rather confusing. I'm going to be very interested to see how it works out. Uh, but yeah, we're going to see how that turns out. We probably won't touch too much on it because it is college ball at the end of the day. But with that said, we do have kind of more college ball, but this is very deceiving. See, 
Every week when I look up topics, one of my go-to things after I check through all the league pages and all the team pages to see what's, you know, of substance and what's not. And obviously, you know, you look through Twitter and Instagram and all that to see if there's anything kind of brewing. I always go to Google and just type in independent league baseball because sometimes you get articles that pop up about teams that you otherwise wouldn't find from just kind of little local papers and websites and whatnot. And that normally works out pretty good. So this week I got one that came up for a brand new baseball league and it's the Independence Baseball League. So I was like, oh, cool, new indie league. I even tweeted that out because I saw somebody else tweet out an article about it. So I was like, oh, cool. So apparently this is a summer college league, though. So it's a bit deceiving in the name here, but it is a new league. It starts on the 24th of May, so right after the Pioneer League. And it's essentially half of the Expedition League that just defected from the Expedition League for whatever reason. I, again, don't know because I don't follow summer college ball because, you know, kind of already busy with the 35 independent league teams that exist and the more that will likely be coming in the years to come. So summer college gets backburned. However, if you are a fan of the Badlands, Big Sticks, Canyon Country Spuds, Casper Horseheads, Fremont Moo, Hastings Sodbusters, Spearfish Sasquatch, that's a tongue twister, and the Western Nebraska Pioneers, your team is now officially in the Independence Baseball League with the most conflicting and confusing name uh, out there. As they're not professional, they are independent still, and now we're going to have to deal again with more of the is independent league baseball professional baseball, which, you know, kind of worked hard to dispel that. Yes, it is, in fact, professional baseball, but the Independence Baseball League is not professional. Very confusing, isn't it? It is. Like, really couldn't pick something else, like the Freedom League or something like that. It still hits the same tone they're going for. Yeah, like, how, how could they do that to you? I know. They just made my life slightly more inconvenient. How dare they? I know. All for the sake yeah. of their branding. I mean, yeah, the Independence League, like, come on. Yeah, really. I, I mean, I, what else? How else? What else are you supposed to believe that is? I mean, really. I mean, this is up there with the same feud that uh, the Rockers were. Or I don't want to say feud. It was a little Twitter skirmish that they were having with the Green Bay Rockers. They both have the same. The, what, what were the Green Bay Rockers? They are, in fact, a summer college league team. Uh, they rebranded, and now they are the Green Bay Rockers, and it's like a baseball glove playing a guitar as their logo. Uh, okay. And yeah, so the Rockers commented on it, and then Green Bay got them back and whatnot. And it was a little thing that was going on there, but I mean, clearly the professional team beats out the non-professional team. That's just basic math. Of course. I mean, that's course. Just, it goes without saying, really. Basic math. <laughs> basic math. Believe me, I'm a math professional. Oh, yeah. Anyone that knows me big, knows big math guy. Yeah, everyone knows my talent. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean the names the names misleading. That's yeah. about it. Yeah, there really isn't much to it. I just wanted to mention it because technically it's independent league baseball in the Independence League, except for True. it's not at all. But yeah, so with that, uh, we're out of news. We want to talk about Tyler Matzik because like the Braves sure. won the World Series, much to my chagrin, and also Chris Martin too. He's also a former Air Hawk. As well, so two independent Lakers on that team, which I gotta be honest, everyone's rooting for the Braves and stuff, and I know there's independent league guys on the Braves, so I should have been pulling for them for that alone, but 
I was really kind of hoping the Astros would win because as a Met fan, I don't want to see any other team in my division win a World Series. Like, it, it just, I, I, I don't want that. But the Astros cheated me. I don't care. It's not that big of a deal to me. Mm. Like, great, they stole signs. They still need to hit the ball. And, like, clearly the only one that really benefited from doing that, like, to a tremendous level, was Bregman. Everybody else is still hitting pretty damn good. Just Bregman well, now is apparently not good. I, I would then bring you the case of Marwin Gonzalez, who was literally an average to below average player his entire career except 2017. And then, uh, and then, and he even played for the Red Sox a little bit to start the year, it was terrible and got cut. I mean, I'm talking about practical effects nowadays, not so much then. If I want to talk about then, then I'm sure there's a handful of guys like that. But even still, I, I gotta be honest. I think there's a lot of teams doing this as well, and I think the Astros just were sloppy enough to get caught. Yeah, I mean... I mean, would that really, like, surprise you? Because the Yankees were supposedly doing that against the Mets this year when they were doing the... Uh, there we go. Yeah, with the whistling. I'm just saying. I think every team kind of does something like it. I think the Astros were just the most complex system and got sloppy with it and then got caught. Yeah. Okay. That said, they probably should have been punished more than they were for it. But at the same time, let's be honest, Major League Baseball is ran by the owners of the Major League Baseball teams. And you don't want to punish one team too hard because then if it comes back around that your team's doing something similar and you get caught, then there's a precedent for the penalty. And then you have to eat that same punishment you just dealt out. So best right. to keep the penalty low. Scapegoat a manager, a, ha a player to and a team executive, you make them go away for like a year or two, and then they come back in and we all kind of forget about it. Because like, are we still annoyed at AJ Hinch or have we all moved on from that? Kind of moved on. Okay, there we go. Like the only players that really I think are still getting crap are like Jose Altuve and Brickman. Like I think that's about it. And Correa. I, I haven't seen too much hate for Correa. I think, like, when he goes to Detroit in the offseason, that I think it will kind of, like, go away. Yeah, he probably will go to uh, Detroit, maybe Boston. Maybe Boston. We'll see. As long sure. as it's not the Yankees, I'm happy. See, like, I keep watching Yankee fans panic, and I just love watching them panic. Because they're like, you don't oh, understand. Great. A 90-win season is just, like, not acceptable to us. And I'm thinking. Nope. It's like, yeah, no. There's, like. I saw 29 other clubs that would love to have a 90-win season that were, would be falling over themselves and, like, making the postseason, like, what, 18 out of the last 20 years or something? Like, we'd consider yeah. that a successful run. We'd be like, yeah, that's pretty good. We'll take that in a heartbeat. And the Seattle Mariners fans would do anything to get a 90-win season and get in the playoffs. Oh, God. Like, that's the thing. They would, they would even just settle for, like, an AL pennant. They'd be like, look, we're cool. We just want to make the World Series, and we're happy. We can get swept. We're just so happy. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, I mean, as far as Matic though, and and, yeah. and Chris Martin, yeah. uh, I think it's just another great, it's just another great example of what indie ball can do, uh, and what and what indie ball can bring, and the opportunities it can bring. It can really fix players. I mean, listen, Tyler Matic, It's not like he came out of nowhere. He was a, he was a first round pick. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so he clearly had stuff. He clearly had talent. People knew who he was. Uh, but 
you know, you just you struggle a lot with control. The Rockies are absolutely terrible at developing pitchers. Yeah. So that's not too surprise. You know, I mean, they Tyler Matzik is far from the only first round pick in the last decade or so that has not worked out for the Colorado Rockies, partly because they probably don't draft very well, but probably mostly because they have no idea how to develop pitching beyond just like course field. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, Matzik just really couldn't find, couldn't find the zone a lot. Couldn't really throw strikes after an appearance with the air hogs, got a shot with the Braves and hasn't looked back. I mean, it's just a great story. For a guy who was essentially at, at rock bottom playing with the Texas Air Hogs. I mean, not even just playing in the American Association, playing with like the worst team in the American Association. Oh, God. Yeah, too. And like Chris Martin, same boat. Because remember, yeah. his professional career starts in 2010 at 24 with the Grand Prairie Air Hogs. So not much better. Grand, he didn't stay there nearly as long. He only was there for about 13 games. But he had a tremendous year in those 13 games. And then he goes on. He winds up going through the Boston organization and then goes to Colorado for a minute. Actually makes the majors with Colorado. Then goes to the Yankees and then kind of just bounces around for a while. Plays in Japan. Plays for the Rangers. And then finds his way into Atlanta as a regular guy. I guess with Texas, he kind of became a regular piece in 18 and 19 before going to Atlanta for 19, 20. And now finally in 21. You know, he was in uh, AAA for like a hot minute, not very long at all. And at 35, he wins a World Series after, you know, starting his pro career 11 years earlier in Grand Prairie, Texas. And it's kind of funny that one of these teams that doesn't exist anymore, that we spent a whole episode really talking about how this team never really got their footing. You know, they never really were able to draw fans. Uh, it was kind of inevitable. Their finances were really kind of not in the best of shape. It was kind of unexpected to see it happen now, but it's not unexpected for this to happen in, in general. To spend all this time talking about that and then now have two of their former players win the World Series is really kind of interesting. And to go back yeah. to what we mentioned earlier with the Northern League, how that kind of died in 2010, with the formation of the American Association on the one half, that that first season in the American Association with Grand Prairie, that that was the Chris Martin year. He was part of the inaugural roster of players for Grand Prairie. Yeah, Isn't I, I, for sure. Yeah, it's I mean, just kind of funny how all that comes full circle. And you full know, circle indeed. You know who his manager was that 2010 year in Grand Prairie? Oh, who? Pete Incogvillia. No way. Yep. And for possibly the only time in his career, or if not one of the very few times, Pete finished with a losing record that year. Yeah. 43-52. I, mean, I mean, that organization can't really win much, so yeah. uh, not too surprising. But, wow, how about that? Yeah. Ain't that interesting? And you know who he had on his team for 13 games? Oh. A 24-year-old Ernie Banks. Obviously not. what? Yeah, Ernie Banks. Obviously not the same Ernie Banks, but yeah, Ernie Banks. Was he good? He was a longtime independent league guy. Played for Nork for a hot minute. That's why I remember that name. But uh, like the highest like pro league he got to was uh, in 2008 
the New York Penn League. He got to be with the Jamestown Jammers, a Florida affiliate. And he didn't do terrible, to be honest. Like, 22-year-old and, like, low A ball, not, you know. But he hit 300 in, like, 250 at-bats. I mean, that's not terrible. That's pretty decent. No, not at all. Yeah, but then he just winds up playing the Frontier League for a while, then the American Association, back to the Frontier, American Association, Can-Am League with Nork and Garden State, and then 2015, his career kind of ended in Kansas City. But honestly, Ernie Banks had himself a little bit of a career, I'm not going to lie. He was actually a decent little uh, independent league guy. I'm not going to yeah. Like, I'm looking at his uh, career right now, 60 home runs in like, 100 or 414 games isn't great, so he's not a power guy, but I mean, he seemed like a consistent 300 hitter. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, but yeah. So I mean, it, it definitely, definitely a cool story. Yeah. Um, and you know, Tyler, just congrats to Tyler Matzik and Chris Martin, both guys who, who never gave up and, uh, kept working their way back to the big leagues and, of course, you're gonna have like you're not gonna have a ton of those examples, uh, but Indie Ball certainly has a good amount of them. Uh, and they were just like, and, and again, I mean, Tyler Matzik is pumping like 98 from the left side. Like, yeah. what the hell? Like, what, what, what the heck? Like, how'd this guy even know? wind up in Texas? I know. Like, how's that? How's that possible? Yeah. Uh, but definitely a great story, and very happy for them. No, oh, absolutely. There and one last note on that 2010 Airhawks team. You know who else was on that team? Oh. James Paxton. What? Yeah. Because if I remember right, this is from the era of like uh, when draft picks would get drafted and they wouldn't like where they went, so you could just go play independent league ball. So the Max Scherzer thing. Exactly. Same boat. Same thing. Gotcha. Yeah, because okay. he pitched four games there and then he wound up in Seattle. Gotcha. Okay. Wait, what? I'm, I'm sorry, I haven't been paying attention to Major League Baseball for a little bit of time here. When did James Paxton wind up going back to Seattle? Oh, so, yeah, that was basically because uh, his last year with the Yankees, well, in the shortened, shortened season, yeah. he was kind of, like, hurt. And then he made, like, one start as Velo was down and kind of got banged around. And, yeah. like, he didn't... I, I think that was the only start he made the whole year, if I remember right. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, and so he was very injured, like, and the Mar- he just went back to the Mariners where he started for a year. But then he, I think he got TJ. Okay. I think he uh, he made he did not pitch very much this year at all for Seattle. I'm pretty, yeah, he, yeah, he, he just like, made the one game. I'm looking at Baseball Reference right now. He just pitched like literally an inning and a third and gave a run. So like, yeah, I just got, I thought he, he was still hurt. yeah I thought he was still in New York though. No. Yeah, that, no, I, I'm behind. I'm streets behind. Yeah. So, like, if you're a Mariners fan, do you just forget 2019 and 2020? Like, you just pretend he just didn't play baseball for two years? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, because, uh, like, he's definitely a Mariner. There's no way around it, which, you know, that's kind of a sad thing when you think about it. But, you know. Yeah. I mean, definitely, definitely a mariner is an interesting phrase, but you know, he's a mariner. He's he a is. seafaring guy. Think of like Felix Hernandez, another guy who's like the AL version of Jacob Degrom. Wasted yep. a lot of his time and talent, uh, but at least Degrom got the pitch not only in the postseason but in a World Series game. So right. already, Degrom's off to a better start. 
And also, it's probably yep. a better pitcher, but that's besides the point. Oh, absolutely. And we know he's a better hitter, too. So, I mean, like, that's the really important thing here. Yeah, well, good, good, good thing I won't need to continue, so. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Although, we probably should spend one of, one of these episodes in the off season talking about, like, what a lockout could mean for independent league baseball and how they can uh, benefit from it. As depressing true. as a topic as that is, we probably should do that, which, I mean, yeah, we're... Yeah, we should. Yeah, go ahead. Oh. That'd, that'd be a fun episode. Yeah, no, yeah, we'll definitely do that because as you as you can probably tell, we're kind of grasping for straws at this point. So we'll definitely yeah. do that. Um, uh, more than that, though, I suppose that's still all we got for news here. So we're just going to do our usual sign off soon and you know get out of here. But uh, if you want to know about future plans, I suppose we'll talk about them right now. Uh, but we do have one interview scheduled. That's going to be next month. Uh, hopefully, we'll have two more in. I'm going to shoot not for next week's show, but the week after to get an interview for that. And then one the week after that. Hopefully we can keep up with these interviews. And then uh, we obviously at the end of December, we'll do our yearly Q&A show, the annual Q&A as it is. So if you have uh, questions for that, you can start sending those in email uh, or social media is probably the best way of doing that. So that way we see it, then we'll write it down and then we will... Uh, Look to answer it. Obviously, same thing we said the past two years. We'll say it again. If you want good answers to your questions, try to get the questions in sooner than later. It gives us more time to ask more people to try and find actual answers. Um, if you just kind of are curious, just asking general questions or opinion-based questions, then, I mean, you could wait until, like, the day before we record to even send those in. But, yeah, you want to get questions for the Q&A in sooner then later but we'll go into more detail about that probably either next week or the week after likewise if you want specific players or coaches or team management or team media or something like that be sure to again email or contact us on social media to let us know that and we'll try our best to get them on there's a couple of guys we're targeting right now. A couple of guys have been around independent league baseball for a while. Other guys that haven't been around for too long, but did play. And then just some general folk that we're, we're trying to get in the moment. So who knows? Maybe there's some overlap there. But uh, yeah, and obviously we may uh, go back and revisit some other some other ideas as well, too. I mean, sure. the old uh, Indie Ball Hall of Fame one is definitely something. I still want to try to get that like AP style ranking going. I really want to try and make that a thing next year. I just don't know how I'm going to quite do it yet, but that needs to get worked out too. But uh, yeah, I think that's just about it at this point. We really got nothing else left. So it's a shorter episode, but there really wasn't too much this week. Uh, next week, we'll probably, uh, we'll probably try to get some more news going. We'll try to find some other things. And then the week after that, we'll probably have an interview. So that's good news. And that's always fun to have here. So uh, if you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You can do so on Instagram at ALPB underscore news. And, of course, at uh, IndieBallReport as well. You can also follow along on the website, IndieBallReport.com. Got all the articles, which articles and Instagram posts and whatnot, those should be coming up and starting again soon. Uh, I'm going to start doing team reviews. So recapping the years and whatnot maybe actually that's what we could do next week we can do uh if there's not too much news we could do league reviews review the seasons for the three major leagues because i know we were going to we talked about doing that so we could probably do that next week if we need to um okay yeah so that may be what's on the plan for next week but individual teams that should probably start up uh this upcoming week so 
get ready for that. And then I got some other ideas for things as well there. So you want to follow on the social media, but you can also find all that stuff on the website. And if you're just interested in continuing to listen to the show, normally we do talk a lot about uh, more baseball, but this week was thin. You can follow the show just about wherever you find podcasts. So tune in, Stitcher, Podomatic, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, all your usuals. You can rate, review, and subscribe there. So uh, with that said, do we have anything else left to add? couple things. First off, um, we're recording this on a Friday, so when you listen to it, it'll be a little bit outdated. However, Alexander Holtz making his debut for the New Jersey Devils tonight. Uh, very exciting. Sent overall pick. Uh, from a couple of years from uh, from 2020, I believe. Yeah, he was a 2020 yeah. guy. 2020, yeah. So uh, very excited. Uh, very excited for his debut. Was tearing up the AHL to start the year. Uh, Devils need desperately need uh, a, a jolt on the power play, which is quite honestly just like their power play just looks like five on five even strength hockey right now. So that's not good. You definitely want to fix that. So hopefully Alexander Holtz can provide some of that. And if Jack Hughes could, like, as amazing as he is, if he could, like, stop getting hurt every, like, three games, that would be lovely, too. That's what uh, happens when you draft a 13-year-old and expect him to play in a men's league. But he's been – he. but you can see why he was drafted that high. He's been really good when he plays. See, the key word there is when he plays. That's the key phrase. I know. So. I know. But it, it, the, the talent is there. Can't deny it. Anyway. Yeah. Second thing, uh, a little bit more of a, a somber note, just uh, rest in peace to Jerry Remy, uh, great, uh, an awesome, awesome Red Sox broadcaster. Um, he was a color commentator for Nesson, uh, a guy I grew up listening to for years and years, uh, just, a, an, a, just incredible knowledge about baseball, always brought humor to the broadcast. Uh, was, I, of course, I never got to see him play, but uh, one of the like a great like, scrappy undersized second baseman back in his day in the uh, in the seventies and early eighties uh, with the Angels and the Red Sox. Uh, just yeah, j- just a great broadcaster. Got to meet him once. Uh, just continued fighting battles with cancer. Uh, continued fighting battles with cancer. I believe seven times he he he, uh, wow. he had to battle cancer uh, and unfortunately just wasn't able to to come out on top the, this time around. But just a great life, a great man, and definitely Red Sox games and Red Sox broadcasts will, will not be the same without without Jerry without Jerry Remy. So rest in peace to him. Yep, I agree with all that. I actually don't have anything to add this week. I, I got nothing. So uh, on that note, uh, until next week, uh, don't forget to play ball. <laughs>